our natural reaction, I, I think just really for you know all of us, is to run from anything that might cause us pain and to proudly not admit my weaknesses or my limitations. And yet to be vulnerable here, she's saying, is to see the bigger picture. And I'm gonna take the leap, I'm gonna take the jump, and I'm gonna take the risk, and I'm gonna lay down my fear or my pride or my shame, and I'm gonna peel back what's beneath this self-protective, self-reliant outer shell, and I'm gonna let you whirly in. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. This episode is part two of a four-part series entitled, What's Your Marriage DNA? Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Hey, thank you again for tuning in and listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. Welcome back. We're doing something a little different this February where we're doing a podcast each week here. And we're looking at, um, you know, what's what's your DNA in marriage? And we're, we're talking about our own marriage and how it has its own DNA. And last week we talked about how uh, our rule book that we live by is part of our DNA. We talked about Uh, Growing in our friendship has been a foundational thing for our marriage DNA, and then really spent quite a bit of time talking about expectations and how to kind of go about that process of evaluating those and how that's helped, you know, make up the DNA of our marriage. Yeah, it's good. And I I think the thing I would just add is that, that while those were things that you came up with, those are things that I could have come up with. Mm-hmm. That these are things that both of us recognize and realize. These are things that have helped us in our marriage. Some mm-hmm. more than you, more you than me, but they're things that have helped us. So today we're going to look at five more things that I've really come up with um, that have contributed to the DNA in our marriage. And we're going to go right into vulnerability being the first one because that that really comes out of some of what I said in the last one about um, when I chose friendship or I chose expectations to talk about, uh, because vulnerability is is critical, I think, in any, you know, long-term relationship, healthy relationship, but um, definitely as we've grown in our friendship, we have grown in being vulnerable with each other. Uh, One of the things that I, I... I do want to say is I think when we think about vulnerability, it's important if you're in a marriage that, you know, has a lot of um, abuse of any type in it, uh, you know, whether it's mental, emotional, you know, verbal, physical, you know, sexual abuse, whatever it might be, um, we're not suggesting that you grow in being vulnerable in in that marriage, you probably need to, um, I mean, really be reevaluating that. So, uh, but for our marriage today, we want to talk about how being vulnerable is a, a really key ingredient for our marriage becoming, you know, a lot of what God's intended it to be. And I think of vulnerability in the very beginning in Genesis where Adam and Eve were naked. They were completely vulnerable, you know, before the other one, but they were not ashamed 
about it. They were, you know, completely known and and seen and um, and different in all that, but they were not ashamed. And good marriages are able to be vulnerable in that way, where you, we can share our hearts and our minds and our bodies with one another without being shamed by the other person, or, you know, sometimes that's more of an internal thing. An author that I like defines vulnerability as the secret side of strength. And I read that years ago, early in our marriage, and it really stood out to me because I thought, I have never in my life thought about vulnerability being a strength. Um, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It, um, you know, is is something that can set me up to be, you know, hurt or um, feel ashamed because I'm seen by somebody and they may reject me or not accept me or, you know, not not appreciate that in me. And so it's it's very easy to see it. Um, I think more as a weakness, and I think in today's culture. Um, some of the younger generation sees this vulnerability and authenticity as a strength where I think in our generation or the one before us, um, it it may not be even, um, you know, it wasn't seen in the same way that I think today's culture even sees it. But Paula Reinhardt defines vulnerability um, as one who is able to be wounded. She says to be vulnerable is to voluntarily place yourself for the sake of a larger purpose in a place that could bring you pain. You see something at stake and you're willing to risk your heart in a vulnerable way. And as I said, I've picked this for DNA for our marriage because um, I've grown and changed a lot in this area from when we first met and and even were married Um, because our natural reaction, I, I think just really for you know, all of us is to run from anything that might cause us pain and to proudly not admit my weaknesses or my limitations. And yet to be vulnerable here, she's saying, is to see the bigger picture. And I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to take the jump and I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to lay down my fear or my pride or my shame. And I'm going to peel back what's beneath this self-protective, self-reliant outer shell and I'm going to let you early in. And, and that that's why I tie this into friendship, because even in friendships, I have to do this at a certain level for my friendship to have any depth um, whatsoever. So I think, I think about this vulnerability here because um, sometimes I think you meet me here um, as I hope, like I'll be vulnerable with you and you meet me here. Sometimes you don't. And, but for me in marriage, I've learned that that's not the point, Um, whether you meet me there or not, um, because it can't be about what I get back. Um, Even, you know, in friendship um, with you or other people, it can't, it can't be all about me and what I'm going to get back. Um, Are you going to make me feel good about myself? Are you going to validate me there? Are you going to be vulnerable back? For me, it's really about following Christ's example, who chose vulnerability. And and that really stood out to me when I was reading this um, book by Paula Reinhardt called Strong Women, Soft Hearts, that Christ chose a vulnerability. And he chose to come, number one, as a baby. I mean, who's more helpless and vulnerable 
and then a baby. He chose to leave the throne room of heaven and come to earth and become human. Um, he chose, you know, the horrific, painful vulnerability of going to the cross. And he did all that, like her definition, for the bigger picture. It's that I might have life, that I might go um, to God for courage and strength so I can be vulnerable. It's the bigger picture of our relationship. And, you know, I think the, about the opposite of this. And when I was, we were first married, um, is... You know, if if when I saw vulnerability as a weakness, I tended to be more angry about things. Um, I know we're going to talk about anger later, and we can we can bring that up because um, that's one of your things you've mentioned. But when I learned to be vulnerable and settle down to what's under the anger and say, "I feel afraid," or "I feel hurt," or um, "I feel." you know, insecure in this situation, or I felt rejected. That feels so, I mean, that feels exposed. That feels, you know, much more vulnerable. But that helped, um, it, it helped me personally, but it helped us. And, you know, some of it is, sometimes we don't think about how much energy it takes to hide our hearts from other people, um, hide our heart in marriage, to protect our heart, to build these walls um, and all that energy we're doing building these walls actually ends up causing a weakness um, in the relationship. So, I mean, what what do you think when you think about vulnerability from a man's viewpoint? Yeah, so the word vulnerable, I wouldn't want um, to lose some of the men in our audience that would listen, especially of a certain age that vulnerability um, would almost sound like being less than a man. And so we, so we define our terms there. I don't want to get hung up on that word vulnerability. I want, you know, men to think about it as um, being honest, um, being soft-hearted, being gentle, being open in, with, with, with your spouse, um, perhaps with a close friend. You know, we, we, we engage in our world. I'm not vulnerable with everybody. I don't let everybody. And we shouldn't be. Right. I don't let everybody see the part of myself that you get to see a part of. But it is extremely important in our marriage that I have learned to, to be vulnerable, that I let you in, that, I, that it's not weakness when I'm telling you, something is painful to me or I allow you to see emotion that I feel when I'm in pain and being able to, to identify what that is. And so I think that that's what, you know, where I'd come at it from, you know, man's standpoint. And I would say from what you, what I've experienced with you through the years is, you know, there was nothing enjoyable or attractive in being involved with you when you were just angry and you didn't let me in and you were, you know, at times, you know, could, could be controlling or trying to control me. The attractiveness came in that I, I actually was able to enter, you know, into what was going on with you and to have it impact in your life because you weren't hard, you know, hearted or, you know, so the vulnerability, I think, is a part of what 
a, you know, a man is drawn to in his wife, mm-hmm. that, that she lets him in and then that he lets her in. And so um, I think it's interesting to me that uh, while that, that we're being vulnerable isn't, I don't, honestly, I didn't, I don't think it's as prized as much as you say it is. I think there's a, there's a sense where the, the generations that come behind us prize being authentic, mm-hmm. but, but that's, they, they still control that to a lot of ways in, because I think what's also prized for women is just being tough. And I, you know, that's not, that's not attractive. I don't think God made men to be attractive to a woman who's just tough. I think he made he made us to be drawn to you because there is the ability to to make a difference in your life. And a, a woman who's able to be vulnerable and experience her strength in that, that's there's a lot of attractiveness in that. There's, you know, because I think that's what that's God's design. So it's a good topic. It has been very important in our marriage. It's taken a lot of courage on your part because you make yourself vulnerable to me and I don't always handle you well. I'm not I'm not as gentle in some of those experiences as I need to be. I've caused pain to you because I haven't handled you well and you kept going. And I think I remember conversations we had years ago where you Used that you said you had to fight me to be weak, and I think you could have substituted the word vulnerable because I, you know, in my in my sinful passivity at that time, was you know wanting you to be strong for me. I think that's the bind that some women find themselves in is they feel like their husband is needy and they just have to be strong for him, so therefore they're not vulnerable, mm-hmm. and therefore. You know, again, I think we we could spend and, and and probably will spend more time at a later podcast or maybe in a talk on this issue of vulnerability because I think it's a really really important that goes to the depth of intimacy that we experience. Mm-hmm. And I just want to remind you before we move on to the listeners that to be vulnerable is to voluntarily place yourself for the sake of a larger purpose in a place that could bring you pain. You see something at stake and you're willing to risk your heart in a vulnerable way. So our marriage growing is something that, you know, I I see at stake. I, you know, for a greater purpose, I'm 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 going to do that work. I'm going to let I'm going to find God trustworthy enough, him enough for me that I'm going to risk with you even if you don't handle you know, me well. And like I said, we're not talking about destructive patterns and abuse here, but I'm talking about just, you know, every day. And I talked in the last podcast about with expectations, that grieving and forgiving process, but also that I'm going to make myself vulnerable again. And I want to say one thing here. I think when we don't do this, because God has made us with the desire to be known and and to know, I mean, I want to, as your wife, know you, and I want you to know me, and I want us to be safe people for each other to, you know, be known. We don't always handle each other well in in that 
um, but that desire's there. And a lot of affairs happen here because that desire's in us. The, the expectation and the desire to be known and um, is there. And so, you know, if it's not in our marriage, um, it's deep enough that we can find somebody else that does pursue us in this way and does want to know us. So it's, it's an important category to think in with affairs. It's an important category to think in with addiction because with that definition, again, it's willingly putting myself in a place to be wounded. So there's going to be pain. And addiction so often is driven by, you know, a desire to run away from pain. Or numb it. Or to numb it. So I'm not going to put myself, uh, you know, into that into that place um, where I give even the opportunity for this relationship to continue to work through those painful places and, and grow. I short-circuit that with addiction. Yeah, you've used good words there. You want to know and be known. You let somebody in on what's going on in your internal world. Mm-hmm. You, 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 when, when it gets difficult in or has in our marriage would be if, if the, the pain you're talking about isn't because of somebody else causing your pain. It's most often because I'm the one that's caused your pain. Mm-hmm. And then at that level, it gets. It takes courage to be vulnerable again for the greater purpose of my marriage and thinking beyond myself. I will always self-preserve, self-protect if I'm only thinking about me. But if I'm thinking about you, I'm thinking about our relationship, our marriage, I'm thinking about our children, our family, I'm going to voluntarily put myself, I have the choice to, to risk talking this through again or entering that hard conversation, not being distant, not being controlling, not, you know, being ruled by a spirit of, you know, fear or spirit of anger. It's, it's, but it's going to be to settle back down in that and beca- with you. And because of Jesus, we, we can. can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because of Jesus, because he modeled that, as Paula Reinhardt would say, because he's in us, and I would say it's it's love. I mean, that's what showing love to the other person is in these moments, is the ability to be vulnerable, to choose to place yourself in this, this place. Mm-hmm. And so— And I think sometimes men don't recognize how the impact they can have in this area. Because if we're—I mean, say we're just in a season where—I mean, we're not— fighting or quarreling, but we just are distant from each other, or, you know, maybe it is there's conflict over something. When you settle into that part of you, which that's the thing, you can't be vulnerable until you settle into your own heart and know what's going on. I have to be willing to acknowledge and feel my own pain. Yes. And then you communicate and Mm -hmm. tell me what's going on. And being vulnerable when I do that. 100% of the time, it usually calms me down. Or it gives me peace or gives me perspective that just kind of changes how I feel emotionally the, even toward and, you. And what's helped me with that is when I've let my guard down and I've let you in and you've handled me well, you've listened, mm-hmm. you haven't tried to fix me, you haven't um, used it as an opportunity to tell me about, you know, things going on with you and you've handled that well, then it's, you know, then then that's actually, you know, helped with my ability to be that way with you. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a 
back and very forth. Very cyclical. And, well, and really our January podcasts uh, on listening and, you know, on the communication killers, it really helps in this but, area. But it's so. a good one. And I would just say this is a DNA for us. It's mm-hmm. been a huge one for us and, and, and important that we want to share. So these next ones are, you know, a a little shorter and just kind of some things I want to highlight. But I mean, uh, when we uh, speak at marriage retreats, one of the things that we like to talk about from Genesis 3 is just the impact of the curse on marriage. And so my second thing is just addressing the cycle of control and avoidance Mm -hmm. that can happen with men and women. And, you know, I um, don't want to spend a lot of time going into this, but just to recognize that, I mean, for us, you entering into the hard things um, rather than avoiding those thorns and thistles and the bleeding of life has helped our marriage um, and made me feel loved and fought for. And then me addressing my nature that, you know, has these deep desires is what Genesis talks about, this longing for you, and yet I want to rule over you. I want to control you. And, um, has helped in our marriage, and it's it's made you feel more respected, and um, you entering into those things, even when you don't want to, has made me feel chosen and loved. And like I said, that's our whole marriage retreat. And, content, the, and the only comments I would make to keep this brief would be, so in Genesis, part of your curse would be, you know, having to deal with these internal longings and God placing me as a man over you and issues of control. But so basically a woman, you got to deal with your issues of control within yourself and over your husband that, that he's going to feel. And then in turn for me as a man of having to deal with just nothing works well in my life, um, whether it be practical things that break down or whether it be relationships that things don't work, and I have to enter into those things. I have to be willing to tackle those things. I can find a lot of joy in it as I do, but there's still some exhaustion and some labor. And, and a lot it, of futility is part of what that context talks about. And when about. it comes to relationship, when it comes to me towards you, it's there's a certain futility a man feels when he and his wife are discussing things over and over again that are really important to her and might help her. And he's like, we've already talked about this. Mm-hmm. But it's a willingness to enter in. It's, it's, and so that's what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. To, instead of avoid it, deal with it. Enter in. For the men, and yes. And for the women to deal with our cycle of That's pretty, pretty brief control. for what is a very involved discussion. Right. But it's part of our DNA. Yes. And huge. I would say huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing here is just, um, you know, to place value and um, how we go about placing value. And and I think one of the things you've always done, I mean, maybe like we talked about, maybe you're not the gift giver, but I do think you are a great listener and you have always placed value on my thoughts and my feelings and where I was at, whether you agreed with them or not, you're very gifted in placing value on that where... 
um, I, I feel loved by you in that. And that, that coming from you has given me, you know, um, it's helped me find, I mean, sometimes when women are bringing stuff up over and over and over again, it's because they need the healing. It may not even be that the marriage still needs the healing, but they personally are still sifting through emotions for them. And so, um, you know, for a man not to just make it back about them, like, why are you bringing this up again? But to realize something's going on in my wife that she's bringing this up over and over again, and then place value on not even what she's saying, but what she's feeling there. Like, it sounds like you're still working through a lot of hurt there, or you're still working through, um, you know, maybe having a hard time trusting me, you know, because of that. And just, I mean, for women, for that value to be placed on their thoughts and their feelings were often um, help bring some resolution and help couples be able to move forward there. So um, that would be my third thing here is quick, just you placing com- value. Quick on comment me. there is I, I think that's part of the way I'm wired. Yes. It's part of the way God's made me. And so that's God's gift to you through me. Right. Not every woman is going to have that from her husband. Right. Husbands, if you're listening, listen to your wife. Try to understand her um, and place value on her. It's it's not really that difficult. And I, you know that I don't do this perfectly. Right. When I'm impatient, when I, and even the cycle of sometimes I'll make it about us when you're really just needing me to hear it for you. Mm-hmm. But it is something that's very, very achievable. Mm-hmm. And part of it is just, man, you just got to listen to her. Mm-hmm. And we really talk about the details of that. I mean, you can go back to the January yeah. podcast we talk on, about listening. on listening, where we really talk about how do you place value. And, and, and I do want to say— And I've had to grow in that with you, in, in just being a better listener. And, and, and I that. do feel like as you do that, that— you you value me. You respect mm-hmm. what I have to say because you hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, try to understand me. You placed a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. So the fourth thing here is is just the category of being trustworthy. I mean, this is foundational to mm-hmm. any marriage um, where we're you know just being committed to building and keeping trust um, has been has been critical and simply. Sometimes that's just making sure that we do, to the best of our ability, we're going to do what we say we're going to do, um, and we're going to be thoughtful about the other person. If we can't do what we say we're going to do, we're going to communicate. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do this, or and we put it in that context like we've talked about already with expectations, um, but we, we work to be trustworthy in, you know— our finances, um, that's that's really important in marriage. If if we have a budget, I'm not going to go overspend my budget every month. I'm going to work to be trustworthy in, and responsible in that. Um, I'm going to work to be trustworthy with our time and our responsibilities and our relationship. And, I mean, a, a, a huge part of trust in marriage is built through our commitment to faithfulness with each other. And— um, you know, fighting those battles we need to fight to guard our hearts and our minds and our bodies um, for one another. And uh, I mean, that's another gift you've given me is you've worked hard at fighting those battles from, I mean, the, before we were married. 
you were working to fight those battles on behalf of your future wife and then me as your wife. And that's a huge gift in being, you know, being trustworthy. Well, and I think part of what you're speaking to there at the end, and I think every man's battle is to deal with his eyes. It's to deal with lust as it would come up in all of us. And, you know, we're, we're meant to, to be drawn uh, visually and me drawn visually to you, but it's to deal with that Mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. and to uh, fight the battle so that um, I don't look at things, you know, longer than just the initial look. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not perfect in that, but it's a battle that I engage in and will continue to engage in. Mm -hmm. And it's an important battle. And the, um, the impact goes beyond me into what it does for us and what it does for you and what it does for just the heart that I have to give you that you feel and experience from me because it's it's me having my devotion be towards you. And mm-hmm. so I think you're talking about that in faithfulness. But mm-hmm. but it also, you know, it occurs beyond into, you know, conversation. I I I'm you know, I, I counsel for a living I and have for all these years, you know, so I've had women that I've counseled who share things with me that are, you know, very personal to them. Um, and the, the, you know, the ongoing protection in that is that nobody gets a part of me that you get. Mm-hmm. And likewise, back. Right. Mm-hmm. For both of us, mm-hmm. you know, we we don't allow that. There's mm-hmm. no there's no intimacy that occurs beyond that. And then that frees us up to have, you know, good relationships together with, you know, both men and women because of that. Mm-hmm. So there's the faithfulness. And, and, and that's, so you're talking about numerous things where it's integrity and trustworthiness, keeping our word, keeping our thoughts, you know, working against our flesh. We're not free just to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. We want to, in, a, in the scriptures guide us here, we want to do, you know, do it because of our love for the Lord and because of my love for you. And one of the things, I mean, we, we know is critical in being trustworthy just um, is just telling the truth. Yes. I mean, and sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, being being somebody who doesn't, you know, doesn't lie or doesn't, you know, fib just to try and keep the peace and uh, you know, will tell the truth. But also if you're struggling with something, uh, I mean, so many marriages could be in better places if the spouse would be vulnerable enough. I'm gonna go back to that word to say, you know, um, I, I mean I'm really struggling with this. Or, I mean, I had somebody early in our marriage kind of pursuing me in a strange way. And I told you right away about that situation. And I, I mean, if if, I, if that's a way to protect. And I shot him and killed him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> yeah. No one knows. It's all where coming the out. Buried. The truth is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> but w- what I'm. What I'm saying is me telling you the truth even instead of letting my heart be vulnerable to, well, this kind of, 
I mean, this feels nice to be getting this attention from this person and um, and telling you right away. And then we fought that battle together. Yeah, and it was a painful thing early in our marriage. And it's a painful thing to to even be aware of. But but it also called me as your husband to be be engaged with you in ways that I needed to grow in. Mm-hmm. And so that you wouldn't be put in that place and mm-hmm. to take some ownership yeah. for for both of us. So those are all really good things. Yeah. So the last one today um, is just the word supportive. And, I, you know, I think this is, this is something that, I mean, should be kind of common sense in marriage, but um, it, it isn't always. And it's been huge for us and our DNA of our marriages. We've just both placed a high value on the other person in a manner where we're not thinking about how do you become a better version of me? Mm-hmm. How do I become a better version of you? But on how do I help you become who God's made you worthy to be and me become who you've made me to be? And uh, it's just one thing that I've always appreciated about you. And I know this is something that you, you know, saw modeled with your father even. Mm-hmm. Um but he always just really um, allowed your mom to, you know, flourish and blossom and become who she was meant to be. And she started a lot of different ministries, mm-hmm. um, you know, in our area over that time. And um, he encouraged her in that. And you've been that way with me, where you've allowed me to blossom and grow and try new things and succeed and fail. And um I, I think I've done that same thing for you. So. Remember the car ride when we were driving? We were in Colorado and went to, you know, it was the dilemma of do you go back to school so then you can go on to graduate school? I mean, I remember that very clearly. And that's mm-hmm. an example of me believing in you and wanting to see that for you and seeing that in you. And I think then when, you know, me who said, you know, I'm not going to be in ministry, that's not going to be a part of my life. And then, you know, I'm going back to graduate school or especially when I pastored the church and before I began to do that in those years and all of a sudden I'm taking you into that with me and 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 you being very encouraging and supporting. I think that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, and sometimes, I mean, I think when I went back to graduate school, you probably believed more in me and in me doing that than I did. I did at the time. I was yes. terrified to do yes. it. Um, I had a lot of people talking to me and even kind of confronting me about it, um, that we see this in you and why are you afraid to pursue this? Um, and it really took you supporting me and believing in me because we knew we were going to be disappointing a lot of people. Right. Um, you know, in the process, because we weren't going to come back, when, you know, to a job that— um, as soon as things we said we were. Right. And yeah, so I was sifting through so many things. And I think today, you know, I don't know what I would have missed out on. Oh, um, it's changed. I mean, it's impacted our life and direction in many ways. Yeah, and, and the people's lives that I've spent time with. Right. Um, so that support is important. Well, that's good. So we've covered the the various things you brought up. Um, I think eight different things over a couple of podcasts that have just been significant. You have said for the DNA of our marriage. And so we're, we're going to continue this in the next podcast. 
Um, actually, a couple more where I'm going to come up with some things and talk about those. See you next week. Thank you again for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Just a quick reminder that Worley and Danina have their four-part video series entitled Effective Communication available for sale on their website. These videos are available for download or streaming through a private Vimeo link that will be sent to you upon purchase. Thank you again so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.